Hello and welcome to Twin Talk. This is Angie and I'm actually here by myself, so this is a little different. Don't have my uh, co-host with me, Joy, but uh, what I'm doing is I'm going to read um, something that I found at the back of a book. So for those of you who listened to the last of the Mohicans uh, podcast, I was reading that book and at the very end, um, I came across this article called What is a Classic? And for those of you who have listened to our podcast, you know that I I kind of like classics. Now, there's some, you know, there's some I could probably do without, but there's a lot of them that I really actually do like. And I know there's a lot of people who don't really like classics and who don't read them. Um, but when I read this, What is a Classic? I thought it was so good that I wanted to share it with you. And maybe this will change your mind about reading classics in the future. So here I go. What is a classic? Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could know whether a book or movie, tape or CD, was worthwhile just by looking at it? Imagine what it would be like if every form of entertainment, every work of art, had a special label on it that said, This is the good stuff. A label you could actually trust to tell you, This is really worth it. This is the best there is. Imagine the hours of time you'd save. You'd be browsing in a bookstore or record shop, looking at the weekend movie ads, considering a concert or play, and you'd see that label and relax, knowing your time wouldn't be wasted. There actually is such a label, at least for books. The label is classic. It means of the highest quality or of enduring interest and value. You've heard the word before, used for everything from soft drinks and sporting events to hairstyles and antique cars, but it's also used to describe something that's one of the best examples of its kind, whether it's the dialogues of Plato, the music of Mozart, the architecture of the Renaissance, or a cherry red 1957 Thunderbird convertible. When book publishers use the word classic to describe a book, they really mean it. There's a kind of honor system operating. They've set aside that word solely for books that have passed the test of time, that really are among the best works of their kind ever written. Unfortunately, a lot of people think that classic means something else. They think it means old or boring. As a result, they miss out on some of the most interesting, engaging stories ever told. It's not too difficult to figure out how this idea got around. First, it's a fact that a lot of classics are old in a purely chronological sense. They were written 50 or 150 years ago, and some people think a story has to be brand new to be interesting. So it's not surprising that people, especially young people, are suspicious when someone tells them that a book that's required reading in school is actually enjoyable. But it happens to be true. To explain why it's true, it might be helpful to explain how a book becomes a classic in the first place. There's a very simple answer. People keep reading it. People just like you. It's like a popularity contest or a public opinion poll, except that it goes on year after year, generation after generation. A book that people are still reading 50 or 150 years after it was first published has to have something going for it to keep people interested. Another reason books become classics is that they are genuinely entertaining. People who take time to read the classics are usually pleasantly surprised to discover just how interesting they really are. Imagine what it would be like to be a child abandoned in the jungles of India, facing certain death from the deadly predators that prowl its path. Suddenly, when you're certain you can't survive another day, you are rescued by a she-wolf who brings you home to her pack raises you as one of her own, and teaches you the language of the forest animals. That's just one of the stories Rudyard Kipling tells in his 
Jungle Book. What if you were a brilliant scientist who had discovered a secret serum that unlocked the wildest passions of the human soul? Would you take the risk of testing it on yourself, knowing that it might transform you into a hideous, violent monster? That's one of the questions Robert Louis Stevenson answers in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. What would you do if a lucky punch from a local bully knocked you all the way back to the time of Merlin the Magician? Would you dare to challenge the awesome power of his dark sorcery with stage magic and modern-day science? That's what happens to the hero of Mark Twain's A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. These stories don't sound at all boring, do they? One proof that classics contain really exciting stories is that contemporary writers borrow ideas from classic works all the time when they're creating new ones. When you see a killer dinosaur book like Jurassic Park, you can bet that the author, Michael Crichton, read and loved Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's The Lost World when he was a boy. The Back to the Future movies might never have been made if filmmaker Bob Zemeckis hadn't enjoyed H.G. Wells' The Time Machine. Danielle Steele probably wouldn't be writing the kind of romances that can tug at your heartstrings if she hadn't read and cried over books like Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights when she was younger. And you can be sure that Stephen King learned much of what he knows about terrifying people from the stories of Edgar Allan Poe, which scared him when he was a boy. Another mark of a classic, then, is that it can inspire an entire branch of literature, like westerns or romances. The mystery mystery novel, as we know it, wouldn't exist if Sir Arthur Conan Doyle hadn't created his master detective, Sherlock Holmes. All of these books in the science fiction section might not be there today if it weren't for the works of Jules Verne and H.G. Wells. If the classics only offered engrossing entertainment, they'd be well worth your time. But they have a lot more to offer. To begin with, classics are better written than most other books. This may seem obvious, but it's worth mentioning. One of the qualities that causes a book to endure decade after decade is that the author put extra care into choosing each word, into creating real, believable characters, into giving them genuine human emotions and challenging problems to solve. You can sense the special attention to the language the minute you begin reading a classic like Mark Twain's Tom Sawyer or Nathaniel Hawthorne's The House of the Seven Gables. The the world you're reading about is suddenly vivid and compelling and real, as real as the world you live in every day and sometimes more so. It's like the difference between a musician who goes through the the motions and one who really knows his stuff. The difference between fast food and fine cuisine. If you're a serious reader, you can very quickly grow tired of sloppy writing, predictable plots, and cheap literary tricks. The classics guarantee great prose as well as great storytelling. If you've ever thought of becoming a writer yourself, as a hobby, or even as a career, you can't find a better place to study writing techniques than in the classics. No writer has described the bone-chilling cold of the Arctic night more effectively than Jack London. No one brings the perilous life of the sea or the exotic locales of the Far East to life more vividly than Rudyard Kipling. There's the, there's one other reason that classics have endured as long as they have. In fact, it's the most important reason of all. Books become classics and stay classics because they tell us something about ourselves. The authors whose work are represented in this series understand the human heart better than most of the writers working today. They might not have experienced the events they're writing about firsthand, but they have the ability to put themselves in someone else's place and somehow convey what that sort of a person is feeling. 
Stephen Crane was never a soldier himself, but in the Red Badge of Courage, he used his knowledge of human emotions to convey what it was like to be a green recruit facing enemy guns and a bloody war, praying he'd be strong enough not to turn and run when the battle began, not to disgrace himself in the eyes of his peers. Although Mary Mapes Dodge was never a world-famous ice skater, she was able to express in Hans Brinker or the Silver Skates how it felt to be a gifted athlete for whom sports mattered more than anything in the world. She understood what what it was like to be facing cutthroat competition, to force yourself to go on when your body was crying out for rest. In Huckleberry Finn, Mark Twain used his writer's gifts to make the reader feel what it was like to have a cruel and hurtful father, as Huck did, and to want to escape from a harsh existence. And he was able to convey what it was like for Huck's friend, Jim, a runaway slave, to be hated and punished just because he was different from other people. In Little Women, Louisa May Alcott was able to express what it was like to be a young woman in the last century, fighting for a place in a world dominated by men. She understood what it was like to have a dream so strong you would risk anything to make it come true, as Joe Marsh did when she decided to become a journalist. When the world grows too difficult to bear, it's sometimes helpful to get a bit of perspective to see how people dealt with life's problems and its opportunities in other times and places. The classics offer fresh viewpoints on the human condition, showing how other people dealt with heartbreak and shame, greed and ambition, anger and terror. While you're wrapped up in the dreams and fears of a pauper on the streets of 16th century London or an awkward school teacher in 18th century New York State, you may find a solution to your own worries and problems. Or if not, you may at least find an escape from them that gives you time to take a breath and gather the strength to go on. So the next time you see a book labeled a classic, whether it comes from this publisher or another one, you might benefit from taking a second look at it before passing on to the latest package series or television spinoff. The world you'll find inside the pages of that book is likely to be richer, deeper, and more moving than anything else in the bookstore.